You know, last year everybody said, and uh, I really would like to talk to them. Everybody wants to get these buzzwords about the new year. And everybody had this great buzzword last year, 2020, the year of vision. Well, I kind of laugh at that because none of them, not, not one of them said uh, there's a pandemic coming and we're going to be locked in our homes and uh, we're not going to be able to get out and we're not going to be able to go to church. And, but they all had this great word of clarity that nobody seemed to have throughout the whole year. Can I get an amen? Right, right. Uh, but, but I can tell you this, God was in control of that, and uh, I don't know what 2021 holds, but I can tell you this, I believe there'll be more storms and that sort of thing, but I can tell you this, I know who holds it, and I know how He is driving this thing uh, and driving us through it, and we can grow through 2021. And I can tell you that, and I know what God has spoken to me about uh, this year and its foundations. And uh, man, I, I just had some confirmation a while ago. God's just been confirming that over and over and over again. Is that Brad, last year, people were caught unaware when this thing broke out. It revealed what their foundation was and their lack thereof. And Brad, if you want to survive and you want the people of God in your church to survive in the coming days, then they need to be on a strong biblical foundation. If you want to, if you want to be not shaken like we were shaken when the pandemic broke out and we've been shaken uh, since then, then to get in 2021, we need to shore up our foundation and we need to be on the right foundation. We need to be on a biblical foundation because this year uh, can either make us uh, into uh, more uh, insecure. The, the storms reveal, as I said, your foundation. Let me read a couple of scriptures and then I'll go to the Word today. That's not what I'm necessarily preaching on today. But if you got your Bibles, a great place to begin with seeing this is in Matthew the seventh chapter. And here's what it says in, chapter, in verse 24. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them or does them will be like a wise man that built his house on the rock. Then the rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Notice that the, the guy who didn't build his house on a firm foundation and the guy or gal who did, they're in the same storm. Okay, not, not one said, well, you're a Christian, so we're not going to beat on your house. They're in the same storm, and the storm comes, but the storm, you can't see a foundation until a storm comes. And the storm reveals what kind of foundation you have. And 2020 revealed that a lot of people aren't on a good, are not on a good foundation. They don't have the things out of God's Word that are necessary to build an unshakable life. And that's what we want to start out this year, is we want to be on the only foundation that's going to last, which is Jesus Christ. And we want to build into the, 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 the spiritual disciplines and principles that are going to keep you unshakable in the next years. I believe. Amen. I started to preach the Apostles' Creed. That's coming. We're going to have a 12 weeks of the Apostles' Creed. Because that creed has stood the test for the past thousands of years that your brothers and sisters have said that creed. And it's not the creed is not the Word of God, but it's pulled out of the Word of God and taken things out of the Word of God that we believe and that they stand the test of time. I believe in God the Father. This is what establishes me. 
This is what I don't waver on. If society says otherwise, hey, the culture can say we believe in this. No, I reject the culture. And we in our church, we say this creed that says, I believe in this. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. They are three in one. I believe that Jesus is coming to judge the living and dead. I believe that Jesus is coming again. I believe in the resurrection of the saints. We are going to study our foundation. We're going to know what we believe. And when the culture says otherwise, we're going to stand up and say, no, we reject the culture, but we hold on to this. Because this is going to carry us through all the way to the end. So it says that he who was on that firm foundation. It said the rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded on that house. Anybody felt pounded in the last year? Pounded on that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, and it goes on to say he's on sinking sand, and when the storm pounded on that house, he didn't, he didn't uh, stand firm. Let me go to another scripture that I think is very vital for this coming year. It is 1025 of Proverbs. And here's what it says, kind of piggybacking off of that verse. And it says this. It says, when the whirlwind passes, the wicked are no more. Okay? But the righteous are secure forever. They're on a foundation. Okay, let the whirlwind come in 2021. And if you're a righteous saint of God, it will not carry you away with it. You'll be secure and you'll be up on the only foundation that's going. So I heard, I know it, I was sitting there working. I was sitting there working, not in my Bible, not doing anything. And one day God, just like, the, just like Elijah with a still small voice, just, just right into my spirit, an arrow shot, foundation. Brad, this is what I want. This is what you must be on and what you must be secure in. And this is what I want you to tell everyone. And so uh, I, just, I just know that. So the question in 2021 is which foundation are you on? Which, which foundation are you on? Because the greatest defense is the foundation of Jesus Christ in the coming year. And, it's, and storms are either going to... Listen, they did last year. This is not my sermon. Storms are either going to expose you or they're going to grow you. And if you're on Christ, you're going to grow. If you're not on the foundation, you are not going... They're going to expose they're going to expose just what you are. And, and, and so we, we've, we, uh, you'll, you'll become battle-afflicted rather than strengthened. And, and so uh, uh, we've, we've got to be strengthened. So, so the foundation determines how the, the storm is going, to, how you're going to ride out the storm this year. How you're going to, it's going to determine what, what's inside of you determines how you ride this thing out. That, that, that's what it is. And so, so uh, the... Uh, the foundation in Matthew 7, as I said, can't be seen until the storm comes. Battles that strengthen the godly weaken the ungodly. You're going to see, you're going to see real believers get stronger and you're going to see people who are not believers in Christ get weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker by life storms as we move forward in the days ahead. And the greatest way to grow is to have a vibrant walk with Jesus Christ. That's the only way you're going to, you're going to do it. And so, uh, and, and this journey in the days ahead in 2021 is 
it, it's it, the storms that come and the affliction that comes is either going to it's either going to conform you or deform you. Okay? It's going to conform you into the image of Christ. That's what it's being sent to do, to conform you into the image of Christ. Or if you're not on the right foundation and don't have the right one inside of you, then it will deform you. And we're seeing a lot of deformed people coming out of 2021. And they're twisted. They're not on the right foundation. They're getting blown away by every wind and wave of doctrine. They're going to go to more and more confusion and more deformity and more uh, uncertainty about things and about God. So the greatest protection in 2021 that you can have is a walk with God. And that's what we're going to start out 2021 is shoring up your foundation in Jesus Christ. And I have wrestled all week, all week with where to go and what to start. And like I said, I'm going to, I'm going to do for years, the gods churned in me and I said, uh, the Apostles' Creed, and I said, why the Apostles' Creed? That's usually a more liturgical thing that we do in a lot of liturgical churches and a lot of people that recite the creed, and we don't really do that in, in, in our circles and that sort of thing. And, and it just churned over that these, these fundamental things we believe, and man, they're all right there. And uh, so, so I thought that's what I was going to start out with, but God uh, had something else churning that's been churning a while, and that's the covenant. So I feel like I won't make any promises because I'm not so good at sticking with uh, uh, any type of, 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 a, of a series or things. I, I really struggle, so pray for me. But I, I feel like God's telling me some things. I don't know that these have come back to back to back to back because if God gives something else in the meantime, in between there, we'll sandwich something in. But I'm going to do my best to build up and shore up some firm foundation in, in our lives that will help us. And, and one way that we're going to do that is by talking about seven covenants that are in the Word of God. And today we're going to cover one of those and go each week because these covenants are going to, we're going to find out are very, very important. A covenant is basically an understanding of, the, of, of promises or agreements in, in the Word of God. And if I were to ask you, if somebody was to ask the question, what language does God speak? If you were in Spain, they might say, well, God speaks the la Spanish language. And, uh, and, and if you were in, uh, you know, or in Mexico, they may say Spanish. If you were here in the, in the U.S., somebody might say, well, God speaks English. That's the language God speaks. Or if you were in Israel, no, I know, he, he, was, a, he was a Jewish uh, carpenter from Nazareth. And, uh, and so, no, Hebrew is the language. But let me tell you the real language that God speaks in the Bible. And it's called covenant. It's called covenant. God speaks the language of covenant to us throughout the Bible, and He's been speaking it from, from Genesis to Revelation. He speaks covenant throughout the Word of God. And in that covenant, He is revealing something to us that is so important to put us on a firm foundation of who God is, the character of God, the nature of God, and our salvation. Our salvation to put us in such a place that we are absolutely firm in our foundation. So God, through the covenants, develops a plan to secure all mankind for eternity. That's what He's doing. Through covenant after covenant, He is on this long-term plan to secure you and I so that we are not like Adam forever. 
so that we are absolutely secure for all of eternity. And we're going to look at a couple. So we don't want to face what Adam faced where he was locked out of that garden and we're afraid we never have a, a way to get back into that. So God comes through this long-term plan and each covenant is going to tell us something different and something different and something's going to come out of these covenants that are going to shore up in our heart this extreme confidence of who our God is and of our salvation. How many want to be so secure in your salvation this year that you don't ever even doubt it or waver or fret or falter ever again? Look, Jewish people, they don't ever doubt that they're Jews. You know why? They have covenants. But Christians, we're so flimsy, we don't flopsy. We're wondering today if we're saved, tomorrow if we're lost, the next day if we're saved, the next day if we're lost. And it's because we don't have an understanding of this very thing right here. And so each week for seven weeks, you're going to just come, you're just, it's just going to open up more. And more and more of what God is just one more ingredient and one more ingredient and one more ingredient until he stirs it all together and bam, you're going to see the new covenant and it's going to be absolutely set. You, you want to know what set my life free? The new covenant. When I was bound after salvation, bound by pornography, bound, could not get free. I'm talking about a Red Sea. I'm talking about demonic powers all over. I'm talking about try, fail. And it was the revelation of this that set me free. And when you get this understanding, it has unbelievable power. And so, so there's two illustrations I want to help you with. I, I, these are not my own. I don't take credit for these. But a wonderful man that I admire and, and has a great understanding of the covenant. But uh, I want you to picture the covenant as representing something like trees. Uh, like trees. Like God plants these covenants and they grow like trees and they produce fruit. And so if you go to the next slide, you'll see that this is what it's like. It's like planting a seed that grows into a sapling and grows a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger until it becomes a tree and it becomes strong and it becomes uh, something that we can enjoy and eat the fruit off of, a, of that tree and enjoy the abundance of that tree as something that uh, about the character of God that He's putting in each one of those trees that represent covenant. Each one has more of the character of God, Daniel, as he reveals the covenant of works, as he reveals the covenant of grace, as he, re as he reveals each ingredient, he's going to give you just a little bit more of what he's like, of his character, of what his salvation is like, the fullness of his salvation. And so we're going to see this over and over. So uh, trees are going to represent covenant or what covenant is like as he plants it and it grows and it develops. And over time, the plan of God, that's why we say, why didn't God just come? immediately after Adam fell but God put in motion a plan over a number of years that this thing covenants were going to come and introduce something and they were going to grow over time until we find the final fulfillment in God's son in God's son and we're going to see where all of those come together. And so we're going to have a greater understanding of our faith. And of, of, of I believe. I believe in the covenants. I believe in, in what God said. And the second way God demonstrated, or we're going to use the illustration, is pillars. Pillars. Seven pillars. 
Just seven pillars, strong pillars, because uh, the covenant is like that seven pillars. Proverbs 9.1 says it like this. Wisdom has built her house, and she has hewn herself seven pillars. Wisdom has built her house, and she has hewn herself seven pillars. Pillars, And so the covenant is like seven pillars. It's like when God is building his house he's going, that we're going to dwell in, that he, he said, I'm going to build it, and I'm going to build it with these seven pillars that will never be shaken. I love what the Word of God says in Hebrews 12, 28. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and worship God acceptably uh, with reverence and fear and awe. So God is building these, his house with seven pillars that just are, are, are unshakable and unmovable. And we're going to look at these because it's a kingdom that never will be shaken. And it will go on for eternity forever and ever and ever. So we're going to, again, these covenants, we're going to call them pillars. We're going to say they're these seven pillars. And we're going to start to understand as we unveil each one Pillar number one, we're going to start to unveil and see uh, and understand God's grace. We're going to begin to understand and see God's mercy. We're going to understand, and by the time we get to the third or fourth pillar, we're going to see more of God's love. We're going to begin to see more of His plan of salvation each time we get a better understanding. This is going to reveal, it's going to build into us more of the character of God and an understanding of, of, of God. And so, so covenants, it's important to know that every covenant has vows or oaths or commands. Every covenant has a vow, an oath, or command. And within that is a place for fellowship. I want you to, I want you to track with me. Every covenant, every covenant has within it, you hear me? It has an oath or a command or a vow. And within that command, oath, and vow in keeping it comes blessed, wonderful fellowship. And that's exactly what we see in uh, the marriage covenant, right? Do we not see that in the marriage covenant? We have a vows that we take and we are there before God and witnesses. And then what do we do? We have a reception or a meal following the ceremony. Why do we have that? Because we want to feed weary travelers who've come a long way? No, because it's covenant. And when you have a covenant, that's where that comes from in your marriages that we don't teach anymore. When you leave the vow ceremony and all this, and you agree to that, out of that comes two families that go next door and all of a sudden the two become one and we celebrate the fellowship that comes and is all offered through covenant. So hope you look at fellowship meals after wedding feast in covenant light and a lot more different than we just throw a few peanuts out and a few uh, mints out on the plate and some cake. It's actually a covenant meal that we're enjoying together. Well, we're not going to talk about the covenant of marriage today because that's not one of these seven pillars that we're going to talk about. But the first pillar and the one we're going to talk about today is the Adamic covenant, and it's called a covenant of works. It's a covenant of works. And so here's where we're going to start with the very... God starts with the very 
first. When you want to go covenant, we said it's from Genesis to Revelation. When you open up your Bible, and when you're going to open up your Bible and start reading, I know we're starting in the book of Mark. You should have started the other day. You can catch it up uh, today or tomorrow. But Mark 1, you should have read. And next week, we're going to pick up Mark 2. And the next day, Mark 3. And the next day, Mark 4. By the time you get to Saturday, you'll have a day of reflection. By the time you come to Sunday, you'll come here and hear the Word of God. And then we'll start back up. And so, uh, but the first pillar that you read when you go into this Bible is you discover a covenant right at the beginning from God. And that's who you see at the very beginning. Go to the next slide. We start out with God at the very next point. God, if I were to take that bottom part off, you would see God. We start with God Almighty there. And the Bible says that God plants man. He creates man and then he creates woman and he But he puts them in this pristine garden. Now, there's a lot of trees in that garden, but I put two purposely. And he plants man and woman between these two trees in this garden. And and, and God is, this garden is called Eden, and it's pristine, and it's absolutely amazing. It is absolutely a place that is a covenantal environment. That's what God has established here. An environment of covenant, an environment of relationship, an environment of fellowship. And, and, And so there's a lot of dynamics going on in this garden and in this place where God has put man. And so he's there, he's created him. He's created him in a pristine place. He is free from sin. He is uh, come. He can go and go, come and go freely in this garden. He can go in. He can come out. He can do whatever he wants in this garden. He can keep the trees and tend the field. He can eat the trees. He can enjoy everything uh, that is in this garden. And here's what will really make Eden beautiful and amazing is the next slide because God is going to do something profound for mankind. And this is what God has promised in this covenantal environment to do. God is going to give man his presence in this place. Isn't that awesome? How many would like the presence of God with you? That's what's promised in this covenant. I'm going to put you in a pristine garden. I'm going to plant you there. I'm not just making you a robot. I want relationship with you. And in a covenantal environment, you're going to see in a moment, what does it come with? We said it comes with what? It comes with a vow. It comes with an oath. And it comes with a command. And then it comes with fellowship. So this is what God is after when He plants him into this garden. He wants man to grow. He wants man to learn. He wants man to uh, learn more about Him. He wants God to, He wants to walk with Him and all this. So God gave man His presence. He could walk with Adam in the cool of the day. Listen, there's no mediator. I, I, this, I didn't even think about this. I always talked about God walking in the cool of the day. I always imagined myself doing that. But when I said those words the other day and I, and I, and I was looking at him, it just really dawned on me. He had no mediator. No, do you understand? You, don't, you have a mediator. Timothy says there is one mediator between man and God, and that's the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for you. you got to have a go-between. Adam Adam is there face-to-face with God. Adam is walking. God comes down, walks with Adam. They walk among the trees. They walk in the pristine garden. So God has given Adam in this covenant his presence. He's given him his presence. But not only has he said, I'm going to give you my presence, I'm going to give you my power. 
I'm going to give you my power. My, your words are going to have power, Adam. I'm going to let you name the animal. Whatever you say the name here, what does this look like? A tiger? Tiger. There it is. I'm going to give you my power. My power to have the ability to speak and things happen. I'm going to get, you're going to know the power of God. Listen, I thought about this. This is another one. He gave them the power over sin. Now, they didn't have to use that power because there's no sin. But literally, think about it. I mean, He gave them the ability and the power literally to choose no to this sin. Power. Power. And then He comes down and He gave man His provision in covenant. I'm going to give you my provision. I'm going to always be with you. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you my power. And my provision is going to be found in this amazing environment of covenant. You're going to have divine life. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to have relationship. You're going to have... Uh, but as I said, to understand then God said the parameters of this agreement, to understand the terms of the condition, you're going to ha- I got to, hey, got to give you a command. And so if you look at the next verse, if you, uh, there, that's where God comes down and gives them presence, power, provision. Go to the next slide. And He says, So the Lord God commanded, but of the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil, you shall not eat for the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Now, a lot of us in here will boast about obeying God in certain areas of our lives. And we'll boast, well, you can't keep all this or you can't keep all that. I got news for you. He didn't keep one. He didn't keep his end of the bargain on one. One. One command. One agreement. This is a covenant of works. You want to keep, if you want to go that covenant, just go right ahead because you got one commandment and I got news for you. You'll lose. One commandment. This is your end of the bargain in the covenant of works, Adam. You do this. You keep your terms of the bargain and I'll keep my terms of the bottom and we'll have fellowship like no other. Right? And and, and so Adam needed to agree to the terms of this condition. He had to agree to the terms of all the trees in the garden you can eat except the one. you got to have this in order to have covenant, in order to have fellowship, in order for him to to, to grow and, and, and to know wisdom and to know knowledge and to know understanding and to appreciate God. God, He he built this into the covenant there and He's giving this command. If you eat of that tree, uh, He says, it's going to be sin. Go to the next slide. If you eat of that tree... It's going to be sin to you. That's what, and if you eat of that tree, you're going to break the covenant of works that I've come into with you, and you are going to be put outside of my garden. And that's exactly what happened, folks. And that, 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 he said, you cannot be in this pristine place and live in sin. You cannot be in this covenantal environment right here. You cannot be in this perfect place where my presence resides, where my power resides, where all of these good things reside and and, and continue to live a sinful and disobedient life. So disobey the command and you cannot stay in this 
place with me. And so God immediately protected his garden. And what did he protect his garden with? The Bible says that immediately in Genesis 3.24, and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword to guard the way to the tree of life. Back that up just a bit. So man gets kicked out, and immediately God puts a flaming sword right there. God is protecting his garden. God is protecting his covenant. God is protecting his pristine place. And not only did he put a sword, he put, he put cherubim there. Now that tells me something in your Bible, and I hope you'll learn this year the foundations of your Bible. I hope you'll learn things that really matter because when you learn covenants, when you learn these things, you're going to grow and understand what you're reading. It's going to, the Word of God is going to become real like it's never become real before. A, a sword, a flaming sword in the Bible, this ought to be 101. Who knows what a flaming sword represents? we got a lot of work to do. The sword of the Spirit, which is? Really, folks? Are you petrified on January 1? Which is the Word of God. He put the Word of God right there. Okay? Cherub. Does anybody know what a cherub protects in Scripture? I won't put you on the spot. If you don't ever know the answer, be like the little kid in Sunday school who said it's brown and furry and it eats nuts. And he said, Jesus, because everybody is always safe when you use the word Jesus. And the Sunday school teacher said, no, it's a squirrel. And so, yeah, if you're ever in doubt, just say Jesus. But it was uh, the word of God. Y'all have no humor on January 1. I've got a dead uncle in the funeral home. I've got to do three funerals, two funerals this week. And, and folks, the word of God still excites me. Cherub in the Bible always protect the mercy of God. Okay? They always protect the mercy of God. What do you see on the Ark of the Covenant? Two cherubim protecting the mercy of God. What do you see at Jesus' tomb? Here come two men, angels, two cherub, two angels coming out. You, hey, uh, talking to the disciples. They protect the glory of God. Every time you see cherub in the Bible, they're protecting the mercy of God. So here's what God is saying. I am protecting my garden by my word and by the mercy of God. And if you won't back in to my garden and back into my covenant then of works if you will keep the word of God 100% I will give you my mercy and you can get back in That is called a covenant of works. That is the first covenant that your God established between Himself and mankind. If you, you, man, we made an agreement, you broke your end of the agreement, 
And because now you are sinners and you are sinful, you are not allowed back into this pristine place. However, I want you back into this pristine place. But in order to do that, I have to protect this pristine place. And the way that I'm going to protect this place is by my cherub, by my mercy, and by my grace. And I mean, and by my word. And if you will establish the only way for you to come back and to, and to, and to satisfy this and get back into the garden is for you to do of the Word of God, then my mercy will allow you back into my presence, back into my power, and back into my promises here. And so God protected the garden here. And and, 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 uh, He said, uh, I gave you my word, I gave you my command. You've come out of my presence, away from my power, away from my provision. I'm still going to supply for you. I'm still going to protect you. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, it's protected by my word. And, and if a man of, uh, can live God's word perfectly, then I will get him back in through my mercy. And that's what the covenant of works is all about. Adam had one command, one command. By the time you get to Jesus, we have about 600 commands that they're trying to get man to keep. So to get back into my garden... Keep my word entirely. Well, man is a sinner, and he'll never be able to keep the things of God. He can't keep one, much less ten, much less six hundred without God. And so the condition is keep my word, and I'll give you my mercy. And so God knows that man will never keep this end of the bargain, and so he tells you what I'll do. I'll give you another covenant. I'm going to give you a second covenant. And that's what we're going to study next week. He knows at the end of that, that's why on the last slide where you had the flaming sword and you had the Adam and, and you, had, you had the flaming sword and you had the cherub and then you had Adam and then Terry, I had another column there because all of a sudden we have started on the left here with the first covenant of works. That has failed and now God is going to establish another covenant that's going to show us some more about what God's plan is in redeeming mankind and bringing man back to himself in this thing called covenant. He wants to establish. He wants to bring us back to a back to Eden, back to a Edenic relationship. That's what he's after. And so he says, "I'm going to give you covenant after covenant after covenant, and I'm going to bring you to my Son." That's what God is doing through this whole process. And so, because of through my Son, I'm going to bring you back not into a physical place. Listen to this. If you're taking notes, this is what you need to write. Because through my Son, I'm going. I'm, I'm going to bring you back not to a physical place in that garden again I'm not going to bring you back here to a physical place but no here's what I'm going to do by the time we get to the end of the covenant but into a spiritual kingdom where I live in you no it's going to be even better than that because now I'm going to come and it's going to be Christ in you No, when you get the covenants, you're going to really be happy even when you got problems because it's Christ in bread now. It's not bread trying to get back to Eden. It's that Christ lives in bread and with it He brings His presence. I don't have to go to Jerusalem. I don't have to go to Eden. He goes with me here. He goes with me to the funeral. He goes with me Wednesday to the funeral. He goes with me Friday. He goes with me Monday on work. He goes with me in His presence. He gives me His power. 
I can walk and live a life over in sin and free from sin. And He gives me His provision. He always provides. He always supplies. Just when I don't think I have enough strength to make it through 2020, God says, I'll give you the strength. Just when I don't think I can take another step and I don't think I can come up here and preach today because I'm just doggone tired, He says, yes, you can because I've got provision. And so by the time we get to the end of the covenant, you're going to be finding out it was all to build up to Christ in you, the hope of glory. Provision, power, all of it comes to us. There will be holiness of God that dwells in you. There will be provision that is going to dwell in you. There will be power that is going to dwell in you. And every morning you wake up and I say, good morning, Jesus. I don't say good morning, Jesus there. I say, good morning, Jesus here. No, do you understand that, Jeremy? I say good morning to Jesus here. He's not off there. Well, the big man in the sky. Well, one day we'll get to see the big man. No, no, he lives here. Oh, I wish you could get excited. God, let them just get it. Let them get it. And so, 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 He's bringing us back into covenantal relationship where He says, I promise to dwell and live inside of you, even though you broke my covenant of works. And so, let me give you a couple of things real quick and we'll, we'll close. The Hebrew word for covenant, these are going to be good foundations. The Hebrew word for covenant is bereth. It's a Hebrew word, it's bereth. And it means covenant. And in that word bereth is several key ingredients, Okay. And you must know the ingredients of what make up covenant for you to understand the full impact of them as we go along in these seven covenants or these six more. And the way I was going to do this, because I saw another person do it, and it's really, really ingenious, and I wish I had I was going to turn the stage into a cooking show, but I, I didn't have time with everything that went on over the weekend. But I, just imagine me having an apron on right now, and imagine me having a bowl, okay? And imagine that I'm going to cook a cake. And I'm going to, I, what's going to happen is I'm going to need all the ingredients that are going to need to make a cake. So I'd come over here and I'd get what? What, ladies? Tell me an ingredient. Eggs. But that's not a good egg. But say this is flour. So I'd pour flour into the bowl. And then I would come back and I'd get, and I'd pour sugar. And I was going to really do this today. And then I was going to come back and I would take cocoa because we'll make a chocolate cake. And we put some cocoa in there. And then I'd come back and put a pinch of salt in there because you might need a little salt in there to go with the sweetness. And then I was going to come back and put some baking powder in there. Then, Diane, I was going to come and I was going to crack my two eggs and I was going to put them there. Then I was going to take my milk and then I was going to put it in. Then I was going to hand it and I was going to whip Whisk it up together, all the ingredients in the bowl. Whisk them up together real good. And then I was going to take it, pour it into a nice baking tray. I was going to hand it to my wife. I was going to have her go into the office, into the imaginary oven in there. And she was going to come out with this perfect Publix cake, probably. Butter, thank you. And Yeah, thank you, yes. Now you're waking up. All I got to do is talk about food. <laughs> and so, so, but the, the point being, all those ingredients are necessary to come out with the final product that we're going to eat together. 
Okay, And that's exactly what is happening spiritually here in covenant. And so lastly, in closing, I want to give you four main ingredients that you're going to see in every covenant. In every covenant that is necessary in every covenant that we're going to be studying. And here's the first one. The first main ingredients put into the bowl. And listen, the bowl does nothing to receive the ingredients. Do you understand that? The bowl is doing nothing to work for the flour and the eggs and the nothing. The, the, the bowl is just a vessel. The bowl gets it all because when you receive Christ, you get it all. Okay, You just receive it all when you get Christ because it all comes with Him. But you've done nothing to work for that. And so that's what's taking place here in covenant is all these ingredients are mixed together in covenant in this word bereth and they're all in every individual covenant as we reveal the covenants you're going to know more and more and more that's going to just make you excited about your faith and about your God and about your salvation. And so number one, the first one is the word barar and it means a Hebrew word to purify and to cleanse. And here's what God built the first ingredient in the, to, to, to the covenant was this. He knew mankind had sinned. And so He knew therefore that we needed a cleansing and we needed to be purified. So God's first ingredient that He put into this word co covenant was that when we come to Christ, the first thing that He does is He cleanses us from that sin that has stained us and polluted us. And I don't know about you, but that's a good foundation to start on, and that is great news in my book. God has built into His covenant cleansing power. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole? Again, nothing but the blood of Jesus. God knew He sinned in the garden. God knew we would sin following. God knew He had to put into covenant the purifying and the cleansing effect. So the first ingredient to make this cake and put it in the bowl was He said, I'm going to put some barar in there. I'm going to put some cleansing power so that you can be free from your sin. Number two, he said, I'm going to put Barah in there. He said, I'm going to put Barah. And that is a partaker of, when I find it again here, of the covenant. A partaker. He said, I'm going to make you a partaker. He said, and what he's basically saying there in that place is that anyone who will receive this, anybody who will become a partaker of my covenant, that it's available to all. It's not available to the rich. It's not available to the poor. It's, it's available to everyone that it, this covenant is a great covenant and it is available. Anyone who will partake of it can have it. But if you choose not to partake of it, then you can continue you on in your covenant of works and in your absence and in your outsideness and in your dirtiness and in your rottenness and in your filthiness away from God. But God says, I'm offering something here in my covenant and it is going to be called anyone who will be a partaker of this and anyone can be a partaker of this. It's not for a preacher. It's not for a singer. It's not for this guy that's on Wall Street. No, it's for all. All can be a partaker of my covenant if you will come and if you will partake of it you will be cleansed, you will be forgiven, you will have uh, life and life abundantly, and you, I will bring you uh, in the covenant to my son, and you will have eternal life. And so it's an awesome, awesome ingredient that he needed, and in that he needed something that was perfect, he needed something that was uh, uh, just absolutely wonderful, and so that's what he did in the third ingredient. He said, I'm, it's going to be bara. Uh, the third thing is like the eggs or whatever. 
whatever, the butter. I'm going to put it in the bowl. And the third thing I'm going to put together in this word covenant is I'm going to put bara. And that's going to mean to strike, to smite, and to divide. He's saying, he's saying in this covenant, somebody has to, has to be sacrificed. And man can't be sacrificed because it would do no good if uh, Lindsay, if I got sacrificed or you got sacrificed because we've sinned. And so that sacrifice is no good to God. So God says in the word covenant, I've built into something that I must strike, I must, I must, uh, I must smite, I must divide. And so he came to his son and he said, son, nobody down there can do it. Nobody has, has, has the perfection to do what I'm asking them to do. I need the greatest sacrifice of all time. And so one of us, he's saying, we're going to have to go. And he's saying, son, I need somebody perfect. And the son says, okay. Father, I'll go, I'll do it, I'll be smitten for you, I'll be the perfect Lamb of God, I'll be spotless, I'll be without blemish, I'll let you strike me, I'll let you smite me, I'll let you divide me, so that man's part of the covenant can be fulfilled and kept, so they can come back into fellowship with an almighty God. Amen? So somebody has to pay the sacrifice in covenant, and God says in one of the ingredients in covenant, he says, I'm going to shed the blood of my son and we're going to make covenant together. And God made these covenants to reveal the Savior of the world. And see, because back in the garden, there had to be perpetual and personal obedience. Personal and perpetual. It means forever. Somebody had to, somebody had to keep this perfectly and do it forever. And Adam failed, and we failed. And so the Son of God says, I'll go, Father. And I will keep it personally. And I will keep it perpetually. And all who come and become a partaker of this life will live forever. And that's the last ingredient. Is in all seven, the way you know it's a major covenant in Scripture is because it has this element. It has, this, it has all these ingredients, but it especially has ingredient number four, the last one. It's permanent breath and it's eternal. It's permanent. He, he, in it, he was saying, I'm never going to let man be locked outside again. It can't be a temporal thing. It's got to be forever. So God puts these plan into place over a period of time. I'm going to reveal this more and more. But this last Adam that's going to come and going to be a sacrifice and give His life, it's going to satisfy for all time and it's going to give you access where I come and live inside of you. Not just flitter in and flitter out. Not just come and go, but forever. My presence, my power, my provision is going to come to you. And so the last ingredient, it has to be permanent. It has to be have longevity. It has to have strength so that when we come to the new covenant, which is a word called diatheke in the Greek, and that's a word where all these ingredients we're going to see. He takes all of these ingredients together and he pours them up and, 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 and they come together in one person called Jesus Christ. See, you've been trying to keep a covenant of works every now and You've been trying to keep a covenant of grace every now and And you may think you succeed in one or two of these things. No, you got to succeed in all of it. So God takes the ingredients of all the things necessary, mixes them up into this bowl, into this cake pan, and puts them in one person called Jesus Christ. 
And He fulfills the covenant. The new covenant. In one person. And with that we get everlasting life. And with that comes His presence, His power, His provision. And a new covenant. And next week we're going to contrast this covenant with the second covenant. I know you're just dying. You're just waiting on the edge of your seat. What is the second covenant? Please tell us, Brad. We can't wait. I can't go to next week. Good. It's the opposite of a covenant of works and it's called a covenant of grace. Remember a man named Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord? And so next week we're going to look into this covenant of Grace, and we're going to contrast it against the covenant of works. And you're going to continue as we study each pillar that God's building a strong house for us to dwell in. You're going to see them culminate until the diatheke at the end, the new covenant, a better covenant, a greater covenant, the best covenant of all time covenants. And it's found in His Son Jesus who fulfills everything. The Father and the Son now covenanting together, keeping the covenant for us. And whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. I don't know if you're singing. I don't know what you're doing. But I want to read in closing. Going back to foundation and I close. Romans 8.28 says this. If I can find it. Romans 8.28. Man, you know what? I'm getting older. I'm going to have to have bigger print Bibles. I turn 49 next week, by the way. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Did, did, did you catch the way all things work together for good to those who love Him, to those who are in fellowship with Him? to those who are in relationship with Him, He works all things together for our good. And one thing we're doing in this year, talking about foundations and covenants, and is, is you remember where Jesus attacked Satan immediately after... Uh, you read it. You're, you're about to read it. We were reading in Mark. And do you remember where Jesus, where, where He comes... He's baptized. He's about to start his ministry. The Holy Spirit comes on him. And immediately he's led into the wilderness. And he's tempted there by Satan. I don't know if that's covered in Mark. Is it covered? It's briefly in Mark, I think. So, so he's led into the wilderness there and he's tempted. What, what foundation did the Son of God... What foundation did he use to come back? What, what foundation did the enemy come at him? Or, or, or where did the enemy come at him? And what, what foundation kept him secure? Yeah, he tried to undermine the, the foundation of Christ three times. Now, now listen, if he came at the Son of God there three times, did God really say? He did the same thing he did back in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? Come on, man. 
Joe Biden. Come on, man. That's what he said, I think. I think that's what the devil said. Come on, man. He said, he said uh, you know, he came and he, and he said, come on, Jesus. If you're really the Son of God, command these stones and make them bread. And what did Jesus come back with? He tried to hit the foundation. And Jesus said, no, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay, so, if Jesus needed the word to defeat the devil, you've got to have it in 2021. Not your Sunday school teacher, not your preacher. Not your mama, not your daddy, not your wife, not your husband. You. You. Okay? Man, I, that song, I don't know it. I probably, I bet John does. I bet John can sing it for us in a few weeks. It's an oldie, and I don't know. John likes the fast stuff. He might not go for this, but uh, you remember the old, the old hymn, How a, a Firm a Foundation, Ye Saints of the Lord. That's old, old, but it's got good meaning, and we better get on it. And so, and so with that being said, if Jesus needed this to combat the devil, we do too. And, 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 and so setting the precedence for the storm to show plainly how victory comes. This is how victory is going to come in 2021. And so that's why we're starting off this year. I, I, we have never, we, I think we tried one time and we, we just went out. I'm not going out this time. I'm not tapping out. Because I know what I need. I know what God spoke to my heart. And I know what's going to help sustain us in the coming days. That early church we're going to study about on Wednesday night, they, 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 they studied the apostles' doctrine, they broke bread, they fellowshiped from house to house, they took the Lord's Supper, and they had gladness of heart. The church grew. We're going to need these, this foundation, not some newfangled crazy thing. We need what works. And God says, get back to what works. Get back to the simplicity of what works. And, I'm, and so I'm begging you, we're doing it as easy as I know possible. We should be well more advanced than this, but I'm talking to myself as well. We're going to get back because we're an undisciplined people, we're an undisciplined nation, and we need to get back to discipline. And so one way we're going to build structure into our lives and spiritual disciplines like they had of old, and one way we're going to do that is through reading the Word of God. And we're going to read the Word of God and hide His Word in us so that we will not sin against Him, so that we'll be on a, on a solid rock. And so we made an easy Bible plan, reading plan that we can do together. And we're going to go through the book of Mark. Uh, or we're going to go through the whole New Testament, but we're starting in the book of Mark. And Caleb's going to come up in just a minute and, uh, and, and tell us more about that, about that because every book of the Bible has devil-defeating power. And, and, and if you will earnestly try to go into this book and say, God... My dad gave me the best advice, and I'm, I'm done because I've gone way too long just rambling now. But the best advice that he ever gave me was, Brad, he didn't try to tell me how to read this book. He didn't try to show me all his wisdom of how to do it. He just simply said, this is a spiritual book. I can't help you, but God can. And if you'll open up the pages and ask the author for help, he who lacks wisdom, let him ask God, and he will give it to you. He said, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And that's simply what I did. And there have been farmers that could not even read that taught themselves. God taught them to read and know the Word of God. And so I'm begging you.
I'm begging you in here. Some of you know more about uh, the, the uh, and I do too, about the Heisman Trophy coming up and every candidate in there and their height, weight, stature, size, uh, what, they got a pimple on their face. And that's fine. That's great. I'm going to be watching it right there rooting on too. But here's the thing. Do you know anything in here? Don't tell me you can't know this when you can know all those other things. Just open the book this year a little bit, not legalistically, a little bit, and just go in there and understand the Word of God that will put Put you on a firm, firm foundation. So let me pray, and I'm going to dismiss. I, if you, if God spoke to your heart in the message, if you don't know the Lord as Savior, uh, Jesus Christ, and and you feel like you're locked out of that place with Him. Listen, He has invited you back in through a new and living way by the blood of Jesus. You're going to see at the end of this all the ingredients coming together in Him. And if you'll put your faith and trust in Him, that He has fulfilled everything you'll ever need for salvation. And with it comes everything you need internally. Presence, power, provision that you're going to need for anything you're ever going to face now and in eternity. We have this hope in in earthen vessels. And so if you want to know Jesus, you need a relationship with Him, it's simply ask Him. Just simply ask Him, God, I'm a sinner. Please come into my heart. Please, please, I want to know You. I want to know You. And if you'll, if you'll draw near to Him, He'll draw near to you. And so God loves you. He wants to be in your life. He wants to take you through the pages of Scripture to get to know you. He's for you and not against you. And so let's pray. And then I'm going to have Caleb come up. Please pay attention to this. It's not an afterthought. This is the most important part of this service is this and an app that we're going to try to help you easily uh, understand the Bible. Uh, somebody donated me a case of New Testament. Hold that up, Nana. Of, of, of if you don't have a Bible or a good Bible, that, that's not a study Bible or anything. Get a good study Bible and all that. But if you need a Bible today, see Caleb or, or, or somebody. I have a whole case of those that somebody fortunately donated to us. That's a great uh, paperback Bible. and We'd love to put one of those in your hand and you to start out reading the Word of God. So let me pray and uh, Caleb, get ready to Come on up uh, in, 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 uh, in a minute. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for the covenants, God. And I think today, what a great way to start out the new year with starting to build something in our lives that's so powerful and so strong and so helpful to us, God, in, 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 uh, in just uh, having a little bit more of you revealed to us that's all going to come together, and man, we're going to be free. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. God, you want to make us so secure in our relationship with you, in our walk with you, God, in our, uh, uh, in our salvation. And so, Lord, you're going to do that in the coming weeks and in the coming days, or you've already done that in most of us. And so we thank you for it in Jesus' holy name. Help us to get into your word, Lord, and let it be uh, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.